Hey guys, this is Emma from The Horse Cure, the podcast for those of us who know that horses really are the cure for all that ails you. Today we hear from Jackie Jolie of Epona Equine Bodywork. Jackie gives excellent information on how massage and bodywork are great additions to your horse's basic care. Bodywork isn't just for fancy show horses. It can benefit horses from all walks of life. Jackie also shares how you can find a bodyworker you can trust and to fit your budget and lifestyle. Thank you, Jackie. So Jackie, tell me a little bit about yourself. How did you become the woman you are today? <laughs> in horses or in general or my body work is concerned because I could keep you here for a couple of days. Hey, <laughs> that is... Which answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Really, I want to hear about you. And um, yeah, you know, we're geared toward your body work and your horse life right now. But um, yeah, just yeah. tell me about you. Well, I'm an only child that my family on either side, none of them had anything to do with horses. So I was just this like, I think I'm an old soul that comes from some type of like native heritage or something yeah. that like just... As soon as I saw horses, I was just drawn to them, magnetized, always wanted to be around them, you know, wanted to do everything with them and get lessons or have a pony like every child does that is infatuated with horses. (laughs) And um, on a whole separate topic that we won't get into because that will keep you here for a long time, you know, (laughs) family issues and divorces and things like that. None of that actually ever happened for me. So anytime I ever got to get involved with horses was just if I had friends that had them. I did have some family members that lived in Lexington, Kentucky, and I would always go visit them for the summer. And I would just trail ride and trail ride and trail ride. And Ugh. once I got old enough to actually drive, I would actually stay there for 30 to 60 days of the summer while I was off of school and just be like a farmhand help at the trail riding place and, you know, take all the tours out on guides, guided hikes and things like that and just loved it. Unfortunately, I didn't actually get to get my first course until I was going to college. I finished high school and I moved to Florida and I got a bachelor's degree in business with a minor in marketing. And it really was just, well, I'm out of school. I've got to do better for myself. I'm going to take myself to college. I don't really know what I want to do, but business, you know, you're always going to have a job probably somewhere and marketing just seemed fun. Like that's where you could be creative and advertising. I had done some modeling when I was younger and I was like, oh, you know, like that would be fun and you change things up and make things colorful and advertise for companies. I always liked puns on words, you know. When I moved to Florida at the time, the relationship I was in, I was like, okay, I want to get some property because I want horses for the first time ever. And so we did that. And I went through all the fun experiences of me being a green rider and buying a green horse. (laughs) (laughs) And also going through the experience of falling in love with the first horse I saw, which happened to be like a pinto paint that was more white than spotted. And it was such a pain to keep her clean all the time. But I loved her. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so learning those lessons. Then I found her her home after we got her more correct and I got like an old been around the block quarter horse that was jet black and also beautiful and I really didn't do anything competitively like it was just getting into horses and having them you know I practiced a little bit of barrels and poles with them everything was western from the beginning never had one official riding lesson still up to this point just jumped on horses and went and tried anybody's horses you know barrel horses or whatever they did I tried some Tennessee walkers and such well when I finished that degree I realized that I really just loved you know being a at the barn and being around the horses and I was like okay I have a business degree like I wonder what I can do with horses for a living again a very naive mindset of not being involved in horses my whole life I really had no idea so I decided to pick up and move to Lexington because I knew that that was 
was thoroughbred capital of the world. There was tons of horses. I was very close to my family that lived there. So I picked up and moved there. And I had to sell my horses and stuff in Florida, do all of that. But I went up there just knowing like, okay, I'm going to throw myself in it and see what comes out. Knew nothing about thoroughbreds, knew nothing about polo, which is the discipline I'm involved with now. That's how I know Pamela. And so moved to Lexington. And I spent about a year just kind of getting to know the industry, which is very heavy in thoroughbred racing and a lot more of like your English riding disciplines, especially right in Lexington area, you know, jumping and eventing. There's some good dressage there, but you have to kind of go a little bit further out from Lexington to get into more of the Western discipline. And it took me about a year. I looked at like doing some bloodstock work maybe and got into racing. And then finally I found out that there was a university there that had a degree in equine health and rehab, rehabilitation. And I was like, well, that sounds cool. And my aunt who lived in Lexington, who I'm very close with my whole life, she's a massage therapist for humans. And so I was like, there was just always this like draw, maybe energetically or just something there that I just thought that was just really cool to help humans that way. And then I was like, wow, they have that for horses. I had no idea. And from the moment that I just chose to start going in that path, like going and having the meeting and the interview with the people at the school and then the program and learning about it, I just, I felt everything felt right. And I loved it. So I signed up right away to go back to school. So I went through that and got my degree in equine health and rehab and have to do a bunch of internships and working on a lot of horses that they have even at the school. They have a riding program there. So they have hunter jumpers for you to work on, dressage horses. They do some Western work as well. But luckily living in Lexington too, you have three of the largest well-known in the world veterinary hospitals along with Kesmark is there, which is a world-renowned rehabilitation center that a lot of horses are sent to. So I got to intern there and I got to see a lot of different farms because you're just in the thick of it being there in Lexington. Loved it. And so finished school and the reason I ended up in Louisiana of all places is I met a boy. Oh yeah. <laughs> so moved to Louisiana. Yeah. Cause they'll say like, well, what are you doing here? You were in Lexington. And I'm like, I met a boy. I don't know what else to say. Like that's basically <laughs> the quickest, easiest answer. <laughs> and so came down here and got to know the industry down here and started my business slowly. Cause I didn't know anybody here at the time, but now, I mean, I'm in a business where I do probably three to four to five horses a day, five days a week. Wow. That um, keeps you busy. Yeah, it does. And of all different disciplines. I would probably say dressage clients are my bread and butter as okay. far as they definitely stay on like a very monthly. I even have a few barns that have me come out every two weeks to do their horses. They stay on that mindset that, that comes from like the European dressage levels of you use it for prevention instead of using it for fixing issues. So they okay. don't necessarily really want to wait until the horse is broken or have a problem. They want to use it to be able to have their horses perform at their best and try to be preventative as much as possible for injury or try to say, hey, I feel this, it doesn't feel right, and try to catch something in time. And so they're probably my biggest clients. But I have a handful of barrel racers, eventers, hunter-jumpers. I've actually picked up a ton of saddlebred in the area, which has been a change for me. I, I saw a few of them in Kentucky, but I didn't have a lot of experience with saddle seat. And so those have been a very interesting caseload for me to learn from. And, you know, race horses, and then, of course, just your pleasure horses kind of dabbled in between. I really enjoy, and most of my clients are competitive horse clients. So they're showing at some type of level and the horses are usually in some type of a regular work program, at least, you know, usually about three times a week. But I also work on rehab cases, you know, horses that are coming off of injuries and then pleasure horses too. I would probably say the majority of my work, I I call myself a body worker, even like my degree came in equine health and rehabilitation. So that kind of gives you a variance of different pathways you can use. A lot of girls that I went with kind of went the machine route and they got like an e-stem machine and a laser, a MagnaWave, and they kind of go that 
route in their therapy. Some do both, you know, manual and some mechanics. I mostly am manual. I do have a laser now that I've purchased recently to work on any type of injuries or any type of surgery site. Cold lasers can really help with decreasing inflammation and they definitely do a really good job at preventing scar tissue or helping break up scar tissue if it has already developed over time. Oh, wow. But the rest of my work is very manual. So it's I, I do a lot of like myofascial releasing, stretching of all the limbs. So then you're checking the range of motion of those joints, everything from, you know, the hoof capsule to the ankle and all the way up the shoulder and pole. I do some deep tissue massage as well. And then I actually just signed up for some continuing education to learn cranial sacral work this year. So I'm really excited Excellent. Um, about that and adding it to my toolbox. Yeah. Well, so Jackie, what does a visit look like? Because I was reading on your, your Facebook page and it says, you know, your typical visit is around an hour and a half. Is that your first visit? Is that all subsequent visits? And, and what are you doing? What should somebody expect when they say, hey, Jackie, can you come out and help me? Yeah. So if it's a first time visit, we'll kind of just go that route because that was usually what would just happen. Usually the first time visits are going to be around two hours. You okay. know, the owners are going to be there. I'm going to get a full history and work up on the horse. I'm going to watch the horse walk in front of me, almost kind of like what a vet would do when they come out to do a lameness exam okay. or pre-purchase or just come out to see like some weird thing that's going on with the horse. <laughs> I want to see that horse walk, you know, in front of me and turn around and come back. And I just watch for a lot of things. I look at how the body is just kind of moving. Um, I'm really looking for that balance and symmetry as we all as mammals should carry. Mm-hmm. So if I see a hip drop or I see a leg wing in, but the other one doesn't, if I see the whole rest of the body has this like nice, cool swagger to it, but like the head and neck are so stiff, it doesn't move at all. Things like that. So okay. I'm looking for the behavior of the horse, how it's moving. And then we get it in the stall or a cost size, wherever we're going to have the horse. And I work on it basically from head to hoof. Okay. And usually with the owner being there, you know, we're discussing things and they might see some releases that the horse is having. And some examples of those, you know, because horses, obviously they can't talk to us. So, right. you know, when we get a massage, we can be like, oh, that feels amazing. <laughs> you know, or that's yeah. the right spot. Horses can't talk to us that way, but they can talk to us in their physical way. So slow blinking of the eye, licking and chewing is probably one of the most telltale signs and most common signs that the horse's body is releasing and wherever I'm working on it. But you'll get like big, deep yawns sometimes, which is a really super deep relief. But even like gas and defecation are even all signs of the horse releasing. So the owner will kind of see that and experience that. And then I stretch all the limbs at the end to check range of motion and kind of go back over my work to see if, you know, whatever I felt before that was really restricted, has that given up some and loosened? Does it have better, you know, range of motion through the shoulder blades than when it did in the beginning? For example, there's some stretches that I will teach owners if they're interested in doing some of those things in between our sessions, depending on what program we're going to get on to. And then after that, I fill out like a little assessment sheet of what we saw and what we worked on and kind of what the program needs to be from then on out. You know, like mm-hmm. if it's a rehab case, I'm usually turning back around and seeing them within 10 to 14 days again. If it's just a normal, regular kind of the horse is pretty good, just had some tension, it's working fine, I might see them in a month to six to eight weeks, okay. depending on how long the horse holds on to the work. So Jackie, how do you talk to people about, because, you know, as horse people, we've all got our basic expenses with having horses and horses aren't terribly cheap anyway. So how do you talk to the typical, (laughs) you know, kind of regular Joe who may not be quite as convinced that this is really a necessary thing or that it can really prove that useful? So how do you talk to people about that? Yes, that can definitely be probably one of the biggest barriers. Definitely depends on the owner's history. Mm -hmm. It's definitely easy 
easier if the owner has ever had any body work or massage themselves. Because then I say, well, how does the massage make you feel? Right. <laughs> um, because at the very minimum, it's going to make the horse feel good. I mean, you're guaranteed that no matter what. <laughs> right. <laughs> because massages make you feel good. But it can be to help prevent injury. It can be used to increase healing from an injury. And it also can be used to help horses perform better because they are moving and feeling better. And that's kind of just my little soapbox speech that I do say. My charge is $100 per session. That never changes no matter if I end up spending two hours on your horse or an hour and 15 minutes on your horse. It's always the same. Mm -hmm. I probably, I haven't changed my prices in seven or eight years. And I always thought about that for myself. I'm like, well, $100, like I could spend that on a horse. Like I think that that's okay to prevent injury and keep them feeling their best. When you start looking at the prices of like joint injections and some of the issues that you might have when horses get tight and these things pop up, they're not very affordable. And I think most people, you can get to the point where it's like, man, I shouldn't have to be injecting my horse every three or four months. It's just a healthy, average going, no injury causing horse that's working. Something else is there that's now pulling on that. You know, the body is all connected from head to toe with what we like to call fascia, basically that white, filmy, pearly kind of skin tissue that you'll see even like on meat in a, in a grocery store. That's fascia. And it covers every muscle cell, every muscle fiber, every muscle bundle, every ligament, tendon, and bone. It all has a sheath of fascia around it that's all interconnected around the body. And that's getting signals from the brain constantly. We're the same. And so if one area gets, of course, injured, but if one area even gets restricted or you have some muscles where there's some weakness, that can cause compensation patterns that we see in a lot of different disciplines and horses. Humans have it too. And it's caused by that. And that needs to be released. If it doesn't get released, then it just continues to compensate. And you get these areas of really strong restriction where then joints and vertebrae start getting pulled and, and put into different places. And then you need, you know, chiropractic work and maybe acupuncture and maybe joint injections. And so you can prevent a lot of that by getting body work done. Well, and like you said, with us humans too, you know, we think of massage typically as a little bit fanciful kind of frivolous, but really it isn't. It can do so much with, like you said, prevention of injuries and tightening up. And yes. we're all, you know, not quite as natural as we're maybe meant to be. We sit a lot. And, and you know, <laughs> yes. and if you have a horse in, if it's, if it's doing its dressage or it's doing jumping, it maybe isn't in its natural set. And so you're asking it to do some different things, you know, so let's treat that body yeah. and yeah, and keep it from getting those injuries we in the first our, place. Yes. We ask a lot of our horses, even in the very top elite, most resourceful barns, we still are asking the horses for a lot that's not really natural for them. And it's amazing. It's one of the most amazing connections that we have as rider with horses. They do this with us. It's really so pretty it's incredible when you think about it. Oh, it's so incredible. <laughs> you know, I could be on the like very like extreme end of my work and be like, we shouldn't be riding horses because, you know, we sit on their weakest spot and we just can't do this. And yeah. no, there's so many horses that love their job. And you can see it. I mean, I've felt it under polo horses too. I mean, the ones that really love what they're doing, I mean, they're following the ball. You better hang on because they're turning before <laughs> I can even ask them to turn when the ball changes direction. You know, so right. that part I know that they love doing what they do and they love having that connection with their rider. They but do. again, that's the same thing. If you're wanting to be athletic and compete at a sport, you're going to get tight. You mm -hmm. get into the gym for the first time and you haven't been in six months. I mean, you're not going to be able to sit on the toilet <laughs> for a couple days that's after right. you know, the first couple workouts. So yeah. horses are the same, but then they've got on top of them, you know, tack and a rider that might have body issues and they might have an, a bad day. The horse consumes all of that and the body work can really help release those things, even 
even on that emotional side that sometimes people don't believe in, but it is there too. Oh, for sure. And body work can really help that. So. I love that. And you're telling me really that any horse, even my gelding who, you know, gets ridden three times a week down the road and we go trail riding sometimes, he can utilize that too. It can benefit him is what I'm trying to say oh, as well. It's not just yeah, some, you know, yeah. Olympic level dressage horse. Any horse can use exactly. this and benefit from it. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Well, Jackie, so you live in Louisiana and I saw you have a $10 trip charge, but I don't think you're going to come to Iowa for me for $10. So how does a girl find <laughs> no. a no. good practitioner who they can trust instead wow. of like, you know, somebody who took an <laughs> online course for five minutes or something? Yeah. So I will say that I do travel. I have some large clients that are in Lexington still that do, you know, I've probably got, I'll be going at the end of April, actually, that I do about 40 horses for them a couple times a year and they fly me up, we put my travel cost involved into the $100. And really, with that many horses, it ends up being like $120, $130 per horse. It's, it's actually not too bad. No, um, and I've done really that good. several times. I had a private boarding school in Maryland that I would fly out and do their jumper horses. And we would just combine the cost like that because it was each separate horse had a separate owner. So mm-hmm. the cost ended up being like $135. It still made it fairly affordable. That really um, is, considering you're coming do, from across the nation. Yeah. So as long as I have you know a certain amount of horses lined mm-hmm. up, we can make it to where it's manageable you know if they're wanting me to come out i have clients right now like that are in wellington so i'm going down once a month and doing them until the season's over and they usually have body workers where they live full-time but i know sometimes you know it can be hard to find somebody that you trust and so i go down and and do them but if that's not an option like for somebody like you if you don't have you know 20 of your friends that want to fly me out (laughs) and do your iowa right and you better give me somewhere warm to stay i'm not a cold weather girl (laughs) you definitely want to make sure of a few things unfortunately with animal therapy um we do have veterinary laws in the nation and each Mm -hmm. state has its own veterinary laws and those are laws that all of us as practitioners have to follow okay whether your readers your followers know or not to be able to do acupuncture and chiropractic work on horses you have to be a licensed veterinarian in every state so that's something that you always want to make sure because I know that there's still some old school people that have probably been doing chiropractic for a long time before maybe some of those walls set place. You just want to make sure even in that case, maybe they're a human chiropractor and so you want to make sure they're still licensed and registered. You want to make sure that you look them up on the internet and make sure that they have some type of licensing or registration with the Equine Chiropractic Association. They might not have had to go and take specific classes in their state, but they should still be registered with that organization. As far as body workers go, there is an association for equine body workers as well that's actually a worldwide association. It's kind of hard to find practitioners on there because you pay to be a member to that organization and when I've always gotten on there and researched there's actually a lot more people like in Europe that you can find but they (laughs) they are there that would probably be like the first place that I would go to but touch base with your local veterinarian is really what would be my first recommendation to somebody is hopefully they know somebody if they're not already a practitioner but if they know somebody in the area because as a practitioner like me who's not a veterinarian but I did go to school and get a degree I still try to make sure I hold really good relationships with all of my local vets that I've been able to meet so far and that my that are working with my clients. Right. Um, I want to make sure, you know, it's a whole team to take care of the horses completely. It's not going to just be me that fixes or prevents things. It's also going to be your farrier, mm-hmm. your dentist, your vet, trainer possibly. You know, if you have an exercise rider, it's 
all of that. Your saddle fitter, which is something that I think definitely goes by the wayside a lot. And I see a lot of issues there. Anyways, I'm digressing a little bit, but <laughs> talk to your veterinarian and they should know somebody in the area. If you do come across somebody kind of like at a show or you kind of hear about somebody, just check them out. You know, they should at least have the basics, a business card, a website, ask them where they went to school or where they got their, their education from, you know, it's tough because there's just no regulation in the laws to say that you have to either have a degree or a license. I wish that they would get stricter that way. Like I'm not required to take continuing education, but I do because I want to, and I want to keep learning and get my skill set even better to be able to offer more to help horses. Um, I'm just not political enough to like go make my own, you know, organization and really try to push for those laws. But I hope that something like that comes and changes. There are a few programs that give any of your listeners and are wanting to even know about certain schools that are good, or if you have listeners that are interested in getting into this line of work, Midway University is where I went to school in Kentucky, and that's an actual bachelor degree program. They're actually the only university in the country that offers a bachelor degree program in what I studied. Wow. Um, Okay. That's all, good to know. All other programs are all some type of certification program. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mean that they're bad. Some of them are very in-depth, and I'll mention those too. But some of them are where you just kind of go for like a four or five-day weekend, and you come out with a piece of paper, you know, that says that you're a horse therapist. And that's where it can get dangerous and where we do need that regulation. But there's also a school called Equinology that's in California on the West Coast, and they are really, really superb. It's still a certification program, but it would probably take you about two years to get to the whole program if you're just back to back to back and Mm -hmm. you go out for like five to ten day course programs and you get hands-on work you get anatomy work you get disease work and you have to pass those courses and there are certain requirements before you can move to the next stage and it's all building up on block uh, blocks on top of each other you know building a progressive program so I really like their program and then there's one in Virginia called Equisage and they kind of do equine and small animals. You don't really get full focus on equine. And I think it's a 16-week program. I could be wrong on that. But they have a really great reputation. Like the professor that I learned from at my university, she went there. So it's been around. It was one of the very first programs okay. around. So in case people were interested, those would be the ones that I would recommend for sure. That's super good to know. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, I didn't think to ask, but I'm glad you brought that up. Well, so Jackie, do you have any like success stories? Like, you know, I came upon this horse and here was what, you know, this is what we did. This is what happened. Do you have any of those kind of stories? I imagine you see a lot of that. I do. Well, and before I was saying about like preventing injuries, I actually had a um, a hunter jumper last year that I've been working with for every month for about two years. Their owners just love him and spoil him, Ryan. And he was getting ready to go to one of his next big shows and he was actually going to go up a level in his jumping. And I was working on him the week before he was supposed to leave. And he ended up just having this like inflammation on his tendon in the rear. He actually wasn't super responsive to it, but it had heat, it had a pulse, and he Mm -hmm. had a little bit of reaction. Nothing like wanting to pick up the leg or kick it like you would see with a normal injury. But I just, I didn't like it. And I didn't like the feel of it. And it wasn't there before. And so I just told him, I was like, you know, before you leave town this weekend and travel and do jumping, like, I think you should probably get this assessed and have the vet come out. And they did. And unfortunately, he did tear his suspensary. Not horrible. Oh, no. But enough where it warranted him to not go to the show and he was able to do rehab and then just come back quicker. Now we already have him back and he's about to start showing again. But that was a way to where that could have been really disastrous for 
horse and rider in that way. And that's just one thing that helps too. When you have a regular bodywork person, I'm touching them from head to toe, Mm -hmm. you know, monthly or every six weeks or every eight weeks, I really get to know that horse's body really well. And so when things kind of just pop up, I'll be like, hey, didn't you like run around in the paddock the other day? Or like... (laughs) or you slip and fall like something's weird here with the body so that's just one example but I did have a recent success example actually just last week a racehorse that raced his first race two months ago and came in third so owner's super happy trainer super happy sent him to his second race which was about three weeks ago and he just stopped running like out of the gate just stopped running just done came in dead last like way dead last Mm. and so they bring him back to the barn he's not you know limping he's not lame he's not even like super out of breath he's not tying up they have the vet come right over they scope him there's no ulcers there's no gastric issues he's fine the next few days they just you know walk him around the track and jog him he's doing just fine so they're like that is so weird did x-rays did ultrasounds did everything that a responsible owner would do that wise so they called me i had never worked on the horse before i went and worked on him last week he was supposed to race three days later and i didn't find a ton of stuff wrong with him but we just worked on him. he had some good releases the only thing that i kind of saw that was a little off his coat kind of had this dry coarseness to it and i said you know you might want to just get him some electrolytes and vitamin e big dosages over the next few days too maybe he's a little dehydrated and so he did all that and that horse came in second when he raced <laughs> so you know and that could have not been me or maybe it was some of me but they were really happy and they said thank you so much for all your help and work i mean he obviously felt better and when it comes down to racing too i mean that little extra inch of a nose or a stride with Mm -hmm. the leg being able to really fully stride out that could really be all that it matters to win that race yeah that's right so we've had some chances like that i had a saddlebred that won its class two at their first show this year and he last year was just having a really hard time just could never play so it definitely happens and that's another good reason that i love working on competitive horses too is just you get that satisfaction of getting to go watch them work and get them get to see them show and get to see them accomplish something that both horse and rider have been working on you know and it just makes them super happy which obviously makes me super happy so it's it's a really gratifying job yeah Yeah. oh I love that Jackie that is that really is exciting makes me want to go do that I love that you get to um (laughs) yes see results like you said and um and have that there that's great yeah it's really cool I definitely love what I do okay well I'm thrilled about this I really am thank you for sharing is there are there any other things that you want to touch on that we may have passed over? I actually printed out my little sheet because I want to make sure I mentioned a few things because sometimes when I used to get first-time clients or kind of explain this work, they would be like, how do I know if my horse actually needs it then? Because, you know, even as horsemanship, you think you know your horse, but you might have gotten a horse that maybe every time you asked for the right lead, it always kicked out its left rear, you Mm -hmm. know, and that was just, that kind of seemed normal because that's just like, well, that's who he is. Well, no, that's not normal (laughs) because horses can't talk to us and so they can't tell us like, hey, something wrong and so first and foremost if you have a horse where he's doing everything right and then all of a sudden he starts either you know grinding his teeth or throwing a bunny hop in there every now and then or even heaven forbid wanting to rear up if he's showing anything that's kind of like i've heard some people call naughty like you know train it out of them or use that phrase usually it's the only way that the horse can try to tell us that there's something going on they don't feel good or there's something that's hurting them and granted it might take a little while to figure out what it is it might not be a body issue it might be a tack issue. It might be a dental issue. It probably could be a foot issue. But that's the only way for our horses to tell us that right. there's something wrong. 
And so when people ask me, you know, how do I know that my horse needs it? Things like that, you know, shortening of a, of a stride, head tossing, getting girthy with trying to tighten the saddle, any type of restriction on one side or not, you know, is it picking up the right lead, but it's not picking up the left lead? Does it cross canter in the back and you just think that's always normal? Because that's not. Horses should be able to be very symmetrical as much as possible. I mean, we all have a weak side and right. compensation, us as humans too, but for the most part in general, they should be pretty even. They're really good at you know balancing themselves out and especially with horses being a prey animal they can be pretty stoic for a while too mm -hmm. and so that's something where an owner may not know for a very long time that there's something wrong because the horse kind of just pushes through horses in their wild and back in time if they were lame or sore they had to try to kind of buck up and like be with the herd because if they were lagging behind they're the one that's going to get eaten by the Siberian tiger around the corner you know yeah yeah you um, didn't want to show that weakness exactly so even in work, you might end up having a really stoic horse that, I mean, they could just be hurting and sometimes you would never know. Mm -hmm. So signs like that are things to look out for. If you're brushing your horse and you go along its top line by the hips or something and they almost want to like fall down to the ground, they're very sensitive and back sore. Symptoms like that. And then obviously to go hand in hand with how do I know that my horse needs it, but then also like benefits. Obviously, like it's going to increase range of motion and prevent injury. It's going to increase the flexibility and muscle tone of the horse. It reduces stress actually of the horse and just the general disposition because again massages they make you feel good right <laughs> at right. the very least and very minimum you know it's also going to release toxin buildup and promote increased circulation which is always great for performance and it also increases the flow of synovial fluid for joint health too and removes your little spasms and adhesions in the muscle and that's what a lot of the myofascial work does is sometimes people will kind of look at my work and be like are you doing anything because <laughs> you're not really pressing into the horse very hard and um, I'm actually just doing really slow movements manipulating the fascia around big muscle groups because again if that can get adhesed and restricted it's going to start pulling on those bigger muscle groups and fascia only needs like really light surface level touching and that's actually that kind of reminds me sorry to go on another little rabbit hole no that's but good you are looking for a practitioner and when you find one you know when you watch them work and this should really be a warning for anybody that you're using for your horse you know if you think that they're being a little strong or maybe even invasive you know, your horse is going to be able to show you that pinning of ears or looking scared or pulling back even. You know, a lot of people will meet me and they'll be like, I'm 5'7", I'm like 140 pounds. And they'll be like, you work on horses all day long? Like, how can you do that? You're so little. And it doesn't mean that I have to put all my weight into that horse. It doesn't mean I need to like push that horse up against the wall to try to get a manipulation. I always try to remind people, horses can feel a fly land on them, right? Right. So yes, they're right. super sensitive. And they're prey animals on top of that. We're not prey animals. We can probably feel a fly too, but we're like, yeah, fly, you know, yeah, right. on edit or whatever. But for horses, they're on that ultra sensitive level because whatever they feel, they don't know if they have to do a fight or flight response all the time because they're prey animals. So it's just something to remember that sometimes if you're having issues or with working with practitioners, it's okay to slow things down a little bit. Or if a farrier is really fighting with a leg, hey, let's just put the leg down and like let it settle for a second. Let the horse take a breath and then pick the leg back up and work with it from there. So that's just my little soapbox 
That makes so much sense, though. That's always point there. Yeah, that is such a good reminder that, yeah, your horse feels that fly, that mosquito even, you know, and, and notices yeah. that. And so, yeah, they don't necessarily Those need. little gnat that's around their ears that you can't even see, you Ugh. know, like they, they are aware of all of that. Yeah, they know. They're ready to take care of themselves because they used to have to. So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I think this is really great. And I love that you talk about, you know, the preventative measure that it can be as well. I think that that's such a good a good thing to remember, you know, if if we can. And it's a good idea to have a fresh set of eyes sometimes on your horse when you were talking about those yeah. things about, you know, does he always go that way? Well, he has since I've known him. Well, that that isn't mm-hmm. necessarily good or natural or the way it should be. And I know I fall into that, too. I'm just like, well, I don't know that he's always done that. <laughs> you know, I always walk with a little yeah. tilt to my hey, to my left. All, yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm guilty, too. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> right. But but what a good thing to be able to bring somebody new into the picture and just make that question like, you know, is is that really the best thing? Or, you know, maybe we can try to fix that. And so I love that mm-hmm. you can be those eyes to help somebody maybe see something that they've forgotten to see. Yes, that's good. And a lot of times, too, because we get so fast-tracked on, or I guess kind of narrow-minded in the way of like tunnel vision, like with a horse, you always got to look at the feet, you know, or mm-hmm. look at from the limbs down. And a lot of times, yes, there are feet that's been chewing issues and foot problems or ligament problems. But I mean, the horse has a massive amount of weight on top of those limbs mm-hmm. with all kinds of functions of joints and muscles and tissues. And we need to look at that sometimes too. And sometimes it can be really hard to find like which came first, the chicken or the egg. <laughs> For the compensation patterns, you know, like did the hoof issue cause the hip problem or did the hip problem cause the foot issue? Mm -hmm. And sometimes you never find the answer to that question. But if you do have a whole team working with you for the benefit of the horse, then you're still going to be able to help fix and alleviate those problems. Absolutely. And I mean, when I kind of think about it, I think, man, that sounds kind of scary, the whole team. But it's not. You have your farrier come out regularly. (laughs) That's what you do for, you know, excellent maintenance. You do your dental work, you know, every six to 12 months. That's regular maintenance maintenance. Your vet comes out for, you know, to assist with vaccinations or the random injury. This isn't like every single day you have this whole team at your at your disposal. It's just utilizing the team to help you in your best care. And so, so yeah, it's not, it's not quite that scary when I think about it. It's just like, well, yeah, my farrier left about an hour ago and, you know, I'm going to go get my dental done in a few months. And, and so yeah, this stuff is possible. And really, Emma, it's like, it's sometimes where you even go, well, you kind of treat them like how you treat yourself, right? Like you Mm -hmm. go get dental work twice a year. You see the doctor probably at least once a year for a checkup and some blood work. If you start feeling bad, you're going to go to the ER or you're going to go somebody and hopefully riders take this note too i hope you are going on getting body work too chiropractors or massage work or something you know we only get one body in this lifetime and we have to take care of it and if you think that you're gonna be athletic and ride horses too i mean we put our bodies through a lot riding horses as well and we enjoy it we love it we're crazy about it right i mean to be in the horse industry you got to be a little crazy um (laughs) but it's that passion that right i mean but it's that passion that just that connection with that horse from the from the very beginning that just always keeps you going and keeps you in it and even with my work too it doesn't have to be a monthly program with body workers it doesn't have to be a monthly program but you figure out too what your goals are for you and your horse if it's a really competitive horse and they're working five six days a week if you were doing that in the gym I guarantee you you're gonna want some work you know you look at our elite athletes football players get massages probably twice a week with ice baths and acupuncture and you know all of that of course NFL has like unlimited resources well that's true but yeah so you kind of think of it in that mindset too like well what would I want done for me too if I was this 
athlete and what are my goals with my horse? If I'm just working on a horse, you know, that's kind of a pleasure horse and maybe they go to a show once or twice a year, they might use me like right before the show or, you know, I, I still have the owners who are like, I just want to do it to make them feel good, you know? Yeah. And that's okay too. Right. It doesn't have to be anything about, you know, I want them to perform their best. Like, I just want my horse to feel good. I get a massage and it feels good. I want them to feel good. And I am completely okay with that. Right. And, um, you know, if you're working on something specific, perhaps you do, you know, every other week and then you taper it off. And yeah, you just to, exactly. to get your horse to where they're at their best selves. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. so, yeah, I, I just I don't want anybody to, you know, feel like, oh, my gosh, that's too much or that's a frivolous kind of thing. We can make it just part of our regular care and it doesn't have to be. Super, you know, it it just it doesn't have to feel frivolous. I know that I'm talking to myself mostly here because I'm like, oh, I want a massage, yeah. but I'm not gonna go get one because you know, I'm <laughs> yeah. that person. So I'm talking to Emma here. But um, but yeah, it really can just help you be the better person that you want to be. It can help your horse be the better horse. And so so Emma, Absolutely. listen to you, please. Right? <laughs> yes. Listen to this podcast again after you record it. <laughs> That's right. I'll do my editing. <laughs> Yes. Oh, this yes. is so good. Jackie, thank you. I just appreciate your information and your encouragement and making this sound so human and, and helpful and really seeing the benefits <laughs> of just taking really care of the body that we've been given, our own and our horses. Yes, it's super important. It used to be very, very normal, you know, to take some time to just meditate or stop for a second, you know, breathe yes. the air and smell a rose, like they said. And your horses like that break too. And luckily, I mean, the majority of horses they get to get turnout time but there's some disciplines that I work with that don't and so to even just think that like this is their hour and a half to just like check out still and release and I do I mean I have horses that almost fall asleep you know and I'm like hey buddy wake up yeah. <laughs> um, so for them too I'm like I'm so happy that you know their owner does this for them because in their show environment that they're in in the moment they don't they don't get turnout time and so if they can even just get that small moment you know and those horses really look forward to it so it's good it is good. Well, wonderful. Jackie, thank you. Thank you. This is so good. It just is relaxing even to talk to you and talk about the self-care um, for, you know, our horses and our, our passion. And a lot of us horses are, is our work, but it, a lot of us horses is our break time. Horses are our break time and our, you know, yeah. our self-care going out and spending time with our horses. Exactly. And, and so. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, good. Thank you, Jackie. Yeah, no, you're so welcome. And actually, I guess I can put a tiny little plug out there. I do try to post, you know, just informative articles that I like and that I come across on my Facebook page. So even if you can't get me personally in front of you working on your horse, um, I do like to post a lot of things of all different topics. Nutrition, I mean, most of it has to do with body and performing, but a lot of that's based on nutrition and saddle fit and stretches and different types of exercises. Trot poles and backing up are something that all horses of every discipline of every show should be doing. I know some people are probably rolling their eyes at me right now, but it's very, very effective to balance the horse out. So my Facebook page is Epona, E-P-O-N-A, Equine Body Work. And so on that page, you know, like I said, I'll post articles and stuff. And if anybody ever has any questions, even in related to this podcast, podcast like if they have a question about a practitioner or hey they did this or hey they did this or what's your opinion on this definitely feel free to reach out I'm, I'm here to help and try to um you know make any contacts that are that are necessary I might know somebody in a different state you know some of the girls that I graduated school with are in different states I might be able to put you in contact there and I will definitely offer to 
you too. I'll come all the way out to Iowa and work on some horses if you want me to come out there. I'll do it. Got to get me enough and maybe in the summertime. <laughs> yes. Oh, I don't blame you there. Well, we'll try to do like spring, fall because our summer can be a little brutal too. But you, you're you from the South. You know yeah. about brutal summers. You're good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It's awful. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Epona Equine Body Works and we can find that yes. on Facebook. Do you have a website? Nope. Facebook's my website. It does plenty of work for me. Excellent. And we can message you there. Yes. Okay. Yes, you sure can. Okay. Yeah. And if somebody wanted, you know, I would be happy to get your contact information to them as well. So yeah, yeah we can, oh, yeah, we can make that work. So, okay. Well, Jackie, yeah, feel free to do that. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you. Have a lovely rest of your day and thank you so much for your time. Yes, you too. Thanks so much. Okay. Talk to you soon. Go out and get a massage. Thank you, Jackie. Since the recording of this podcast, I've taken my gelding to an equine veterinarian who is also a chiropractor. Loggy, my 18-year-old standard bred, had started pinning his ears this winter when I went to brush the right side of his girth and ribcage area. He was also starting to look a little sway-backed. Dr. Lisa has helped immensely. My sweet, friendly guy is back, and his back looks like it should. There are options out there to help you and your horse feel your best. And remember, feeling your best isn't a frivolity. It's good practice. Jackie always welcomes communication, so please don't hesitate to message her via Facebook or check out show notes for email contact information. Thank you, Jackie, and thank you for listening to The Horse Cure. Thank you for listening to The Horse Cure Podcast, the podcast for those of us who know that horses really are the cure for all that ails you. You can find more information about each episode and more podcasts at thehorsecure.com and by following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.